0: Welcome to Con Dave vs. the Machine. My name is Kyle. I'm just
1: tired of watching shitty movies.
2: And I'm the machine.
0: Oh. Wow. <laughs> we got to say a Star is Born last week, Dave. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happens to be 2018 a good vintage of a year, if you ask me. The Machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're gonna be watching the film, Vice. I want you to be my VP.
1: I want you, you're my vice.
0: Well, George, I, uh, I'm the CEO of a large company.
1: I have been Secretary of Defense, and I have been White
0: House Chief of Staff. The Vice-Presidency is a mostly symbolic job. Uh-huh. However, if we came to a uh,
1: different understanding, I can handle the more mundane jobs, overseeing we're seeing, bureaucracy, military, energy, And
0: um, foreign policy. Yeah, right. I like that. Of course, a big thank you to our patrons over on Patreon. Their contributions, of course, help us continue the show. Sounds like I've been drinking. Help us continue the show since the machine doesn't help us pay for these movies, Dave. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And after this month, definitely so. so. Yeah. You should definitely help us out over on that Patreon, mm-hmm. uh, or this becomes less viable as the weeks go on. Desperation. Now each month we also do a bonus episode over there. You have already could listen to the Honky Tonk episode, <laughs> and uh, the Honky Tonk Man episode, I should say. And uh, either way. coming up in this month of April, we're going to be watching Wild Style, Ooh, which nice. is.
1: One of the what original hip hop
0: movies, party movie. No hip hop.
1: Of course, you wouldn't know that. No, right? Spending he, all your time you in, the, me, in the country, Ouvrè.
0: Hmm. Dave, my my skin has never seen the sun. If
1: we were going to watch The Gambler, you'd be like, "Oh, <laughs> Kenny Rogers, sign me up."
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, Did you know you haven't seen that? That's your most watched on Letterboxd. Oh, I weird! Actually, watched The Gambler, but oh, of uh, course. Do you know that there's five sequels to that movie?
1: Uh, I knew there was one sequel. I didn't know there were five.
0: I think it's a houseboat, right? (laughs) re I think is what the uh, subtitle is. Anti-In, that's what it should be. Gambler 2, Anti-In. The Gambler 2, let it
2: ride. My favorite movie of all time is The Gambler Returns, The Luck of the Draw, which is the fourth Gambler movie.
0: Dave, you know that the people tune into this podcast, so this very podcast, they're like, what did these two have to say? What erudite opinions Ooh. will they posit over uh-huh. on this uh-huh. week's film that they have decided to watch? But also... Emphasis on the L. Uh-huh. They're so interested in our epic yarn that we're spinning, this deep and rich oh, fiction right. mm-hmm. that is being added to each and every week. I mean... Like yeah. two minutes of our episode each and every week devoted to this fiction that we have it's, been building.
1: It's like country music. You got to tell a story, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, this whole rigmarole, this whole podcast started because I accidentally created a machine that became sentient. Oh wow! And I think I forgot it was all your fault. It is all my fault, but I think that the machine is also kind of playing a long con. Okay. With this here, it says that, it's, that 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 it doesn't want to start an apocalypse unless we, you know, don't review these movies. But I think it might just want to make an apocalypse anyways seems like it's saying one thing but doing another yeah
1: yeah it is a robot and frankly all robots are designed to end humanity that's racist i think it's a primary function of robots to take over human operations right
0: i think so i think this also might be an issue i was i was tinkering this week dave Gross. i do have access to the operating system and to the oh Neural networks yeah, sure. of the robots. Probably written in DOS.
1: Remember DOS? And it's, <laughs> I, do, actually, I, I don't think that was a language. That was an interface. But
0: The, the machine basically is 5% WALL-E, 3% Johnny 5, but 92% chat GBT now. So things are getting real weird over here. I would love if listeners
1: could write in and actually acknowledge that they know who Johnny 5 is. Because that is dating you.
0: <laughs> I want to talk about a racist movie. Watch number two. You don't want a
1: <laughs> brown face? You don't like the brown facing. No.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Anyways, we are going to be talking about the movie Vice here this week. I did let it slip at the end of last week's episode that I really do not enjoy this movie very much. Mm-hmm. And I am going to be excited to jump into it with you because you have not seen this movie before. No. Nope. I think where our conversation needs to start here then because this is based on a real person. Uh what's your history and relationship with the real Dick Cheney?
1: I have none. And I think this is an important place to start. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that uh I know that he he encapsulated the nation of the United States anyways during the uh, GW Bush administration. And I know he was lampooned for being dick cheney but frankly uh, if we're going to be what did you call me before we start recording both sidest
0: yeah you like to do both sidism.
1: yeah here's the thing uh they're all the fucking same pal name a politician <laughs> who isn't a pig
0: true enough i just don't like to do this like equivocism that's not a word
1: yeah i, I don't like right.
0: making it i agree that in essence most politicians are getting in to become more powerful to become more wealthy that they say things and then do another i'm totally on board with that but I do think that there is a fundamental difference between people that want to like overtly strip away a certain groups of rights and people who don't want to do that same thing. That's
1: every politician right now. There isn't a single politician that doesn't have an ulterior polarized motive and then ironically make the same policies as their so-called enemies. They're all they're all hypocrites. I will jump in
0: sure, and get have Dave yell, to get Dave yell at me because this is what I love to do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. This is exactly the right time, because I, of course, start university in the year 2001. Okay. What happens in September of 2001, but a little event called 9-11. Mm-hmm. And I think that that one event, we talked about this actually in the year 1999, about how fundamentally different different Hopeful. things are pre-9-11, post-9-11 in both art, culture, society, politics, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think that is such a cataclysmic event. I don't think that that most people are going to disagree with that.
1: Well, I I would, cataclysmic is so over the top, but it was definitely culture interrupting. Because are you going to say that about COVID? I think so. Is I th- it cataclysmic? It's fascinating. I, th-
0: I think it changed a lot of stuff or accelerated a bunch of stuff at the very I least. Know.
1: The language is fascinating.
0: Anyways. We get a hint of this in this film. It's not agnostic. Let's put it this way. It's not like nothing changed because it's no,
1: it fundamentally changed the way we operate. I'll I'll give it that cataclysmic's funny, though. I'm reading that book. So I'm trying to measure my words lately.
0: All right, keep going. What I'm driving at here is that this is really what spurs me to become any type of politically aware of what was going on. I had the privilege of growing up in a time period, in a place in the country, I don't know, in a country where I didn't really engage with or understand things past the, the superficial things that got made fun of on either This Hour's 22 Minutes on Canadian television or Saturday Night Live in America, where it's like, oh, I get it because they talk funny or they said this phrase. That's why they're what they're making a joke out of. That's basically my base level of knowledge. This really made me start to delve deeper into like, the history of politics, etc., etc. et cetera. Et cetera. That, that was the event. And the biggest people, if you were a self-identified like person on the left or a liberal, minded person. We should
1: talk about that too because it's a bullshit distinction. But okay, keep
0: going. Fine, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to have this conversation because I hate when everyone, everyone is exactly the same. I just don't fundamentally believe that. I think we ultimately get to the same spot. But I will a thousand percent tell you that like abortion rights and gay rights do not get removed if if republicans are not in power we don't know that <laughs> we don't because the
1: complex part about the american political system is that it's not up to barack obama it's about however
0: they distinguish these house majorities but it, it's it's by packing the courts. and that was
1: likely happening whether trump was coming in or not
0: Right. Well, it actually starts with Dick Cheney to be to, to be honest with you. Maybe because,
1: but I don't know. I mean, here's the thing: 1982, the entire United States of America voted for Ronald Reagan. Right? It's like if you look at the map of that voting poll, it's it's fucking insane. It wasn't. Oh yeah, and the 80s was
0: super popular. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. This
1: sort of uh, tendency we have of trying to paint individuals as uh, tyrannical overlords or something—it's a bit dangerous because we're too close to it. Do we still think Richard Nixon is the worst president in history? And of course not. Nobody even no. gives a shit about Watergate. I, half the people who are alive right now couldn't, I couldn't even explain what happened in like Watergate.
0: Watergate-wise, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: In 20 years, even though Trump is a fucking clown, will he matter anymore? Oh, it's hard to say right now, but he's the most important thing in our life right now. Half the people watching Vice I don't even know who Dick Cheney is anymore.
0: True. I, I think that is an interesting point about how people that we like obsess over. What I was trying to drive at is like the Bush Cheney presidency, like George W. Bush primarily, but ultimately it really was Dick Cheney who people started to really, really dislike became like, yeah, the, the, the faces of evil. Like these are the evil people in society and someone to be fought against and push against, et cetera, et cetera. The rise of the political A comedy show, like I'm talking like The Daily Show and uh, The Colbert Show and Last Week Tonight all stems from this era specifically Mm -hmm. because of how much ratings and how much the left specifically were like, oh, this is the only person talking truth to power. I will say this straight up. I've become very disillusioned with that idea because it gets so frustrating to be like, yeah, I agree with everything you're pointing out and what you're saying and uh, are yelling at the screen about but nothing is actually changing and it gets well, so frustrating after a while there's
1: a quick answer to that it's uh who are you talking to and then you gotta ask the question why do i agree with this you know it's not just preaching to the converted it's asking the converted why they even have the conviction in the first place and that's what nobody mm-hmm. wants to do because nobody likes
0: dialogue
2: i certainly prefer my own monologue
0: i knew a lot about dick cheney in relation to the bush white house yeah. like the the whole position was like oh George W. Bush is not that politically savvy. Everything that's happening is because of Dick Cheney. And George W. Bush is basically the puppet. So if you read any of like the online blogs, YouTube commentary, television talk shows, that was basically the point that everyone was trying to make. is like, George W. Bush is the fall guy. He's the face of it all. But really, it's Dick Cheney. That presidency, unlike any other one, like it hasn't really happened before or since, the expansion of the duties of the vice president which was beforehand really a figurehead honorific. Like you didn't really do anything as the vice president. You were there to step in if you needed to, but you weren't actually in charge of really anything. And Dick Cheney found a way to be like, actually, I can do a lot of stuff. I
1: don't know. Yeah, I think that is factual. Mm -hmm. I wonder, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm disillusioned with America in general as a concept, right? So any rhetoric around the lost golden years is a little smelly to me, frankly.
0: Oh yeah, 100%. Like, you can even see that actually w- during the Trump presidency because people were like, oh, wasn't it better during the Bush-Cheney years? I'm like, no, it wasn't. Like, what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> no, Well, it, even if MAGA goes past, because I just realized mm-hmm. watching this film, which I didn't know, it was Ronald Reagan that started MAGA. Even if we go beyond Reagan years, yeah, and you can point it. uh, Democrat or Republican, it doesn't fucking matter who's running the country. When was it ever good? You know, you and I kind of had this nostalgia for 99 as almost the peak of North America. It felt like we were invincible. You know, the only thing we worried about was the genre of music you listened to. It wasn't that Mm -hmm. big of a deal. That was some of the most uh, brutal eras of American dictatorship (laughs) as far as going out (laughs) and fucking other countries in the, right? In the face.
0: Well, here's my last thing I just want to say about this. Hopefully this is something that you can side with. I have no idea what Dick Cheney is like as a person. Never met the man. Don't know. According to his family, great guy. Why not? Probably is. Mm -hmm. To his friends, also, great guy. Probably is. Sure. As a politician, many of the things that he oversaw and many of the policies that were put in place because of him directly, not a big fan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would go so far as to say some of them I think were pretty evil. Yeah. So... You that is that's where I st- my stamp is on Dick Cheney.
1: Yeah, as far as uh, as far as the administration's roles in warmongering, torture, mm-hmm. detainment, surveillance state, of course, it's a problem. But it is weird in my mind to think about it as solely being attributed to one person. I think that's where films like this become a little bit counter-worshipy, which is a little weird. And when we look at, for example, I mean, Facebook and Google all came after, but when we look at these data mining companies, it's supposed to be apolitical, but they're the ones selling the shit for money. I mean, if anybody mm-hmm. understands Google, there's a reason why it's free, because <laughs> it's not, right? It's such oh, a beautiful you. search engine you can do every Google's free, humanity hasn't. I mean, they're the ones who sell the most information about everything that we do. Is that Dick Cheney? I don't think so. I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, it's muddy. And I don't like, of course, uh, any form of warmongering. But when you look at sort of historical context, I don't know if you can separate that from politics. I think politics is warmongering.
2: I think warmongering is politics.
0: Adam McKay is the other person we should talk about in relation to this movie. This is him writing and directing this. What are your thoughts and feelings of Adam McKay?
2: I think he
1: should have stuck out to gross out comedies. Um, Did he do Talladega Nights?
0: Yep. Yeah, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, Anchorman. That movie holds
1: up fantastically well. And mm-hmm. I think that I know it's hard to stay in that pocket. I mean, we are seeing guys like Will Ferrell and stuff struggling now to find uh, a viable mm-hmm. voice in popular culture. But this idea that, you know, to build a film, you have to be intelligent. Adam McKay's not an idiot, but that he felt that he needed a platform to become So, uh, ironically, almost like a left liberal terrorist in film is kind of become a joke. I couldn't watch Don't Look Up. And when I read reviews of both of these films, you see that fervent cult-like behavior where if you buy into what he's selling, you think this is the best thing you've ever watched. And if you're even in the middle, you're just questioning, why the fuck am I watching it? And if you're on the other side, it makes you want to punch someone in the mouth. It's, it's
0: well weird. You say that, though, but it's weird. I'm talking about Don't Look Up specifically. Okay. I think this one is harder to distance yourself with. Because Don't Look Up is such written-in metaphor, I think it's easier to hide that political message. And why? what I mean by that is that I remember watching that movie, because it came out around Christmas on Netflix, Yeah, and me and my parents watched it together. And for me,, no comment. Like, well, this, is, this is obviously a comment on global warming and why we should be taking action. And this guy, and this they're making fun of Trump specifically because they're using quotes from him.. Yeah. And for my parents, it was like, "Oh, there was a funny movie about an asteroid." They didn't pick up on any of it, not because they're dumb, but they just aren't, you know, dialed into that rhetoric and that point of view. So I think for them and for other people, you can look at Don't Look Up and be like, it's just a funny movie about an asteroid. Uh, That's it. Uh, For me, it was cloying and smug and I hated it. But (laughs) I have some problems with this because it is a bit of preaching to the choir. I am not anti making a movie like this. Meaning, like, I'm not against making a movie about a politician. I think that there's things to mine and, like, discover and and look at. It's just, it is talking points that I, I guess, already knew already, and I don't think they're really shedding all that light. And the stuff that I do know that that he's slightly fudging then starts to make this feel like it's propaganda more than... There's a couple (laughs) of
1: things that are completely made up. Uh, It is propaganda. And I will say where this movie is successful is in those moments that you're talking about. Any as soon as uh, in the second, like in the second third, when they actually go uh, the actual response to 9 11, you see all these machinations come together. It becomes a little engaging because you're like, oh, I, I, I do agree with that. And again, it goes with my biopic
0: thing. Is uh, like I wish the they thing. would just like bring it like yes. closer. It's like let's just talk about the re- response to 9 11 and how this all builds up. But before we get to talking about the movie itself, the only thing I'll say about Adam McKay. Is that, Yeah, he was basically heralded as this like the comedy tour, oh, yeah. right? Like, he, Anchorman he had these Amazing. three big yeah. ones, right? Yeah, yeah like, Anchorman was like the huge, huge hit. But yeah, other guys, Talladega Nights, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, Step Brothers. You know, uh, mostly Will Ferrell comedies, but they were doing great at the box office. Critics mostly liked them. These were things that, like, oh, there's like this new comedy voice. Mm-hmm. Was a previous writer for Saturday Night Live. Like he had this huge credibility as a comedy writer director. Then he makes the big short which i maybe i should re-watch because that was the one that i did enjoy of like this pivot i would say into like more directed satire um i re-looked it up on wikipedia so again that has its own bias i realize but from what i see everyone involved like everyone who's portrayed in that movie says like, yeah, this is ninety-nine percent correct. There's only a couple things like they change a couple names and an order of certain things happening. But by and large, everything you see in that movie is how it happened, is how it was said, is how it was presented. And I think I, I have less issues with that movie because I just remember enjoying it on that level.
1: I think the main difference is that the big short focuses on material capitalism. And mm-hmm. because we're seated in it, oddly we're distanced from it. Because we can't escape capitalism. So, when we have a villain who manipulates a stock market or I can't remember how that one works, you know, makes all this money, you know, going opposite to the grain and understanding that this collapse is going to happen all this kind of bullshit. Uh, it's almost like a Robin Hood adventure film, sure. you know, we're given a protagonist to follow and, you know, we're also one of the first sort of uh, A-list Comedian slash dramatic actors in makeup, trying to you know like there was a yeah. there's a culture around that film, but I think with this one and don't look up, we're now going into this uh, highly politicized and therefore emotional and religious aspect. So environmentalism is a religion. American politics is a religion, and so we're ba- dealing with faith based moral arguments. And all of a sudden, you have to choose a side, and it's very hard to be factual and in the middle and when you do that it's no longer a narrative feature right and you get a documentary and nobody wants to watch those i don't know i turned off don't look up because it just i mean it's poorly constructed it's poorly acted and by the time jonah hill was being a fucking coked up prick somewhere like third scene he's in i was like i can't it's not funny i'm exhausted and uh i just don't see how this is gonna be worth it yeah
0: I know people are gonna claim my bias and my own libido. Timothy Chalamet shows up for like I don't know five <laughs> or six minutes in that movie, that right, and that like, right. is literally the best part because he plays this like <laughs> really aggressive, like uh, religious kid uh-huh. who's never had a kiss before, and it's so on the point truthful of those types of people in real life.
1: I was just like, I'll kiss you, I'll kiss you. No, no, I, I just grew <laughs> up with those kids, like,
0: super earnest, but also, like, are trying to be, like, not, oh, nothing bothers me, but everything bothers me. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's such a, a fine line to play, and it's so great. The last person I just wanted to bring up, I think this is the first time we've talked about him, I'm pretty sure, is Christian Bale. So, what's your history with Christian Bale?
1: I like Christian Bale. I do, I mean, we've brought up him in passing because I do feel like the method acting thing is going to destroy his sanity
0: uh, just to put it up front like yeah he gains 40 pounds for this role to well he has the record really until heavier.
1: i think someone broke it but machinist to batman was the record for most ga- weight gained for 80 sp-
0: pounds or something right Or I yeah can't it was something
1: obscene i mean if anybody hasn't seen it most people have seen Batman, watch The Machinist. I mean, it's a good movie, but it's fucking creepy as hell. And he's emaciated. Yeah.
0: yeah he starts himself to be in that movie, then gains like 80 pounds of muscle to be in Batman right after it. It's, yeah. um, I think, though, he has stopped doing that. I
1: don't like, do you think this was a fat suit, Vice? No, he gained the weight. no, for no this. he
0: gained forty pounds for this role. Is what I'm trying to say. But I think there's another. I just remember a few years ago, he. I think it was him who was saying that he is just not interested in doing the massive weight well, gains he's and losses sick. anymore. Yeah. yeah, but it's because right. like, listen, the, the, the makeup artists are so good nowadays. Like, I don't really need to do this anymore. So yeah. I'm not going to force my body through these drastic changes.
1: I used to also think that he had a greater range, but I think I'm wrong about that. In hindsight, he just plays sociopathic asshole really well.
0: Mm. Um, Well, I mean, American Psycho is still great. I think he's such a great performance. I know,
1: But I just, I mean, I just have trouble seeing it anymore. Like, I was watching this film and I'm like, you know, what's the line between this and Bruce Wayne? I don't know.
0: Well, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm going to give him a little bit more credit than that, but he does get the vocal patterns and the speech patterns of Dick Cheney, like,
1: Oh, I don't Nearly
0: know. perfect. Yeah, like,
1: maybe it's because I don't care about Dick Cheney.
0: I think you're right. But I will say this is my hot take: not a good Bruce Wayne. Great Batman, but not a good Bruce Wayne. And that's, that's
1: a tough one. I know it's like the Spider-Man argument is tough. Yeah, because it's our expectations. Wait, did you like emo Batman better?
0: He's okay. I don't know. My, again, I, maybe it's my time. But Bruce Wayne Adam for West? me. If you read, <laughs> no, I was gonna say Michael Keaton, but um, Bruce yeah. Wayne. I think also is is nailed in the animated series in the comic books, like. Bruce Wayne is literally the exact opposite of Batman. He's charming. He's the life of the party. He makes jokes. He's great. And he's dark and brooding as Batman. Like, that's the divide that you're getting, right? The Batman. So, and then I never, I never felt- I got
1: Emerson saying that too. (laughs) I'm
0: Batman. And I never found Christian Bale got the playboyness of Bruce Wayne 100% right. It's
1: because he always looks tortured.
0: Yeah. It's just something about him. But great actor. I actually do quite like him.
1: If you look at other method actors, I mean, the big one is Daniel Day-Lewis. And that guy can be anybody. But he doesn't make films anymore because he was also losing his mind being different people. He also
0: only makes a movie every five to seven years. It's
1: got to be hard. Right, Mm -hmm. if you're gonna do this thing where you just try to become a completely different human being, although
0: Christian Bale has like that famous story of him yelling at a PA for moving a light, you can listen to the audio if you really want to. Conversely, just because you brought up Daniel Day Lewis, from what I have heard from stories on set, is kind of the exact opposite. Like, yes, he is in character, but he's not an asshole to people. Like, he can be using an iPhone on the set of Lincoln but like I'm still Lincoln like he's still like getting himself into it
1: just because you mentioned it I just read yeah. an article comparing American politics to pro wrestling and apparently oh. Abraham Lincoln was a wrestler yeah. you
0: actually can trace back the lineage of the world heavyweight title to Abraham Lincoln yes <laughs> of course <laughs> it's you what, know what's that. weird <laughs> I mean we will not talk about it in this episode but that is my grand theory Every politician nowadays basically has learned from pro wrestling how to talk and how to hold an audience. It's
1: not a theory. It's absolutely true.
0: It's how it's how Trump talks, actually. It's he's yes. gearing up for WrestleMania every single speech he uses. In, in yeah. fact,
1: we should actually talk a little bit about that with this film. I mean, how is that any different from Dick Cheney and w, uh George W. Bush? These mm-hmm. are all wrestling storylines. Yes. They really are. It's, it's weird. weird. It's man. weird.
0: But uh Wrestlemania this this coming weekend I think as this uh, episode goes live so <laughs> get your pay view tickets everyone.
1: All right, we promised to not speak more than an hour so let's get to
0: it. All right well let's do a break first and then when we come back we'll be talking a little bit more about Adam McKay's vice. Would you uh, would you be my running mate do you think? Could you be my dick to my George?
1: That's gross. I am offended by that statement. I'd be too noisy to be on the sidelines. I certainly wouldn't whisper sweet nothings and policy strategy to you. I,
0: I like that idea, though, of me up on stage speaking and you being like, fuck that. And you like walk, walk up, push, push me out you of you the way. Away.
1: You're like, you fucking idiot. That's not what I told you to say. Yeah.
0: <laughs> not a good puppet master is really what you're trying to say. No. Kind of the of the Machine, of course, for this last time is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown community supported press tense was yeah we were mm-hmm. part of the network the alberta podcast network promotes and supports alberta made podcasts and connects their audiences we didn't get
1: kicked out It's it's just over it's I mean, just it over sounds, yeah we sound cool that we got kicked out but it's not yeah, pushing
0: it. it's like we're too, we're two bad boys <laughs> and they couldn't handle our <laughs> truths anymore uh anyway they connect their audiences with the uh, alberta-based businesses and organizations or at least they used to in this final ad read of this era I get to tell you about the Edmonton Community Foundation. You know, the foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You know, you can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group, and once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with the Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how. The community is doing this is an fyi the 2022 report focused on systemic racism in edmonton so to learn more you can go to ecfoundation.org
1: all right let me get to my final announcement uh ad read my message to our loyal albertan listeners is about park power Park Power, our friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, who offers internet, electricity, natural gas, low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Park Power is owned by Chris Kozawski, who has a growing and well-deserved reputation for being a guy who cares. If you're in the Edmonton area, you may have seen him around in his signature bow tie, supporting local causes and boosting local business. He walks that talk with his business. It's why Park Power shares its profits with local charities. As a new customer, you can choose a community partner to receive 10% of the proceeds from your electricity bill, like the CKUA radio network. Visit parkpower.ca slash CKUA to find out
0: more. Did you know that I thought Dick Cheney had died? I honestly thought he was not alive anymore.
1: I wasn't paying attention.
0: All right, Dave. We have sat down and we have watched this uh, this movie, and we need to catch people up. Maybe they haven't seen this film or aren't one hundred percent aware of what we're talking about here. So okay. we want to talk about what this film is about, at least in plot what terms. Is this film about? So let's say, let's pretend that uh, we are at the inauguration of the newest president of the United Donald States, Donald Trump. Yeah, we are at. You know th- he's coming back. At least for uh, one more term, yeah. Yeah. At the Mall of America or wherever they hold the inauguration. That's probably real. I don't know. The Walmart uh, of America. It's probably going to be at Amazon headquarters this year. We have a a red-headed gentleman in front of us who (laughs) swerves around to us. It actually just says- (laughs) His name is Jimmy. His name is Jim Bob. And he says like, what's this film about? Because he has like a DVD of Vice in his hand. (laughs) How would you answer that question?
1: (laughs) What is this film about? It is, I would say, in brackets, pseudo biopic about Vice President Dick Cheney and his influence on American politics before, during, and after the events of 9-11, maybe. I don't know. That's a little broad. What what, what would you say the actual narrative? There's no narrative, but what would you say?
0: It's trying to tell the life of Dick Cheney from... That of a young man up until the end of the Bush presidency. Like that's basically what this is. uh, This sweeping narrative. It's
1: it's even weird that they bring up all the drinking, the DUI, and then they just don't come back to it.
0: They're like, yeah, it's fine. I'm a broken record on this. This is my biggest issue with the uh, biopics is that they include a lot of stuff that doesn't really matter doesn't to the narrative. No, ultimately. So it's either cut that stuff out or why are we bringing this up in the first place? But yes, because if this was not a biopic, everyone would say the same thing. It's like, why are we bringing this up? It no. just has nothing to do with anything else in the narrative other than it shows that Lynn made him like become a better man.
1: Could have been shown a different way. Anybody who, like my wife, says they liked Dune but kept falling asleep- <laughs> I would have to ask the question, what would they do if they watched this and it wasn't about a real person? It would be mm-hmm. fucking irritating. Although this thing has jump cuts galore. So
0: this is also a, become an Adam McKay thing. Loves stock footage, uh, which is, just a I don't know. It's a weird thing to lean on in a major motion picture. I mean, it's, me. it's arrogant. Dave, I mean, it's not like we've made this any mystery here up until this point, but what were your feelings on this movie? Yeah,
1: no, I thought it was terrible. As we said in the beginning, there is a good run in the latter, you know, second, third or whatever, when they actually get to the meat of the problem.
0: I think once they get to the the White House proper, there's actually some really interesting things to say about power and about American politics and The machinations. I mean it's very Shakespearean although I'll talk about that scene too. Oh god
1: don't bring that Uh, up. But but it is It
0: is like that American fable type of stuff like okay I can understand why you would even want to make this movie in the first place.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that's also if there's anybody left with fascination of Dick Cheney that's the part everybody wants to know about. How did Mm -hmm. he turn what uh, allegedly been a figurative role into one of uh, immense influence and I, Mm -hmm. I think that part actually was quite gripping and I don't want to attribute it to the filmmaking because up to that point the filmmaking is a mess it can't find a tone it's doing
0: way too many things it's it's just all over the place there's at least one if not a couple of key roles that i think are miscast oh, almost everybody yeah it's not because i think they're bad actors they've just been asked to do something that is not in their skill set yeah and then it, it drags the movie down in in my opinion i think we should be up front here that we, Dave, you and I, are kind of on the outside of this opinion. (laughs) This is not the opinion that most people hold about this movie.
1: Yeah, well, fuck it. I think the only person I actually eventually thought fit the casting was probably Sam Rockwell's GW. Mm -hmm. And when he first appears, I was like, no, that's not going to work for me. But as soon as he became uh, President George W., then I was like, oh, yeah, that's quite a good uh, portrayal of his buffoonery. But when he was drunk and young, I was like, he doesn't look Mm -hmm. like a young guy. No offense, Sam, but I didn't pull that off very well. I joke text to you. I think this might have been the signal of the end of Amy Adams' career, unfortunately, because I love her, but she is so miscast and misused in this film.
0: I love Amy Adams. Yeah. If you can go from being like in Junebug to- Drop Dead Gorgeous Shoes in, yeah. Uh, enchanted yeah. and then arrival like all in a row i'm like that is range That is talent i was you gonna say great.
1: you want to talk range any adams has range yeah Yeah.
0: and then this is yeah the start of like it's like this and then the disenchanted sequel and awful. Uh, hillbilly uh hillbilly elegy which is yeah. awful and like something just four or five in a row there's like what are who are you your agent that is making you be in these movies it's just so frustrating when i know she's talented
1: And there's ageist sexism in Hollywood for Mm -hmm. sure. So, it's going to be difficult, I think, because she's in that sort of middle to late middle era uh, female actress. So, as female actor. So, it's kind of like, you know, Hollywood is not going to be offering the so-called juicy parts Mm -hmm. for a while until she could play the matriarch, you know, in her 60s. Yeah. Uh, So, that kind of sucks and it coincides. But this film was one of those ones where I was just like, I don't know, what a waste. What a waste of an amazing actress to be in this shit heap.
0: Mm. And then the unfortunate part, and maybe maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. I don't want to like start casting judgments before I've actually viewed something, but her next two projects are from Adam McKay as well, so I'm, I'm hoping maybe something good can come from that, but, but he's we'll, not, we'll see. He's too arrogant. I mean, particularly Don't Look Up. I mean,
1: obviously, I don't know Adam McKay directly, but his response to all of the criticism yeah. of that film was getting you know when i was watching uh dragon's den in canada i liked brett wilson a lot because when he was on tv he seems so magnanimous and he's throwing fucking money around he's like the self-made billionaire then i moved to alberta and i learned who he is <laughs> here. I'm like, this sure. is an awful human being. He all caps yells on Twitter telling people to go fuck themselves. Yeah, sure. like, he's, he's got problems, right? The arrogance. Oh, yeah. People like that will have a problem communicating with a lonely podcasting nobodies like me because we don't speak the same language. And so, I will not be watching any of his films unless it's like uh, a re, you know, coming back to Talladega Nights. <laughs> And it's That's actually funny. It. Anchorman
0: yeah. 3, when he brings out that. That's probably yeah, actually going to
1: happen at some point. But I really didn't like Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld. No,
0: I, I, that was the one I was going to call out. It's like, really do like Steve Carell. And he's actually been in some dramas that I think he's very yes. effective in. Yes. This is, he he's is doing a, like a Saturday Night Live caricature of Donald yep. Rumsfeld. And he does not belong in this film whatsoever. Awful. It's so weird.
1: For the most, I was unconvinced of everything other than uh, the makeup. And costume design was quite good. And aside from that, I just, I could not bite into any of the performances whatsoever. You know, obviously I'm not a American political historian of any kind. So I can't say that that was from a miss on the veracity of the actual people involved. But just as a viewer, I just didn't care. When they were talking, and it took me out of the story.
2: Your talking usually takes me out of this podcast.
0: I need to make this comparison to something that most people have no connection to, but it's where my brain went to as I was watching this movie. One of the hard things about adapting any type of narrative about Dick Cheney, and they do cop to this, they do say this, is that there's not a lot written, he doesn't record himself. He doesn't give interviews about like his own life sort of thing. So like a lot of the stuff all about saying. him, we have to like, yeah, basically be making up or try and like glean something from. So there's, I guess, a couple of different ways that you can go about then doing an adaptation of that, which is using your own preconceived political bias to be like, paint this monster of a man and like what his like urges were. That is one way to do it. The other way, there's a musical, and the only reason why I'm, this is coming to my head is because I'm about to start the season on it on my other podcast, putting it together. The show called Sunday in the Park with George, which is about the French painter, George Seurat, who made this massive big painting that is very famous, that you would know it if you saw it, about a bunch of people sitting in a park, looking all in one direction. If you look up George Seurat, you will find the same thing. There's nothing written about him, nobody knows what he did, kept no journal, all of it is hearsay. And he was super secretive. So he dies at 31, had dinner with his mother every week, and yet had a mistress and two kids that she had no idea about. Like, that's the level of secrecy. So what they do in that show is they just make it all up and kind of say that up front. It's like, we don't know. We're literally making all of this up. The mistake then that happens in this movie that drives me crazy. This is all true. It's all factually true. Everything about this is true. And it's not. And it really drives me nuts when people do that. It's like you're giving yourself a forced error when you don't need to do it. Just say you're making it up. Fine. You're making it up. Great. Now I know there's a level of fiction on this and we can engage with it on that level.
1: Title cards and narrators. Problem. Problem already. Right? We've got red flags and uh, I agree with you. I think even if you want to use a title card, you can... Yeah, do something very simple. There's a couple movies that do that. Like these are based on true events, except the parts that aren't,
0: you know, or something
1: stupid and glib like that. But there's like three title cards that start this film,
0: you know, know, explaining. It's just. Or you could have gone super theatrical with this
1: and just lampoon every character
0: yeah well yeah you could have, like leaned into it like make this be an anchorman movie and go super like caricature type of thing i really don't like that shakespeare scene that they do it's which awful. is like we don't know what happened in this conversation i mean it could have been like a shakespeare play and then they have a shakespeare dialogue yeah like you could have maybe done that for the entire movie it would be a choice i don't know if i'd like it but at least it would have been a choice to do something and just be like Whatever, Cheney, the the American Shakespearean drama or whatever you're trying to do. You're leaning into that, the then in that case. Mm-hmm. I guess I would respect it a bit more if that was the case. I'd be like, this maybe doesn't fully work, but it was a they tried something. For me, ultimately what happens, and I know that the people who love this movie just disagree with this this outlook. I just find this whole thing smug. That's what oh, this feels smug. like. It's like I know more than you do. I yes. am the right person. Obviously, everyone should know that this guy is bad. And yes,
1: we all already agree. So why don't we just make more fun of him?
0: Right? right. It's indicative because for most of the points and most of the things they're bringing up, I fundamentally probably do agree with that viewpoint and that outlook, and it drives me up the wall. It's like makes makes my skin crawl. The level of like I know more than you do, and nothing hammers at home than the mid credit sequence, which makes me want to break my television.
1: You want to rage quit.
0: <laughs> you try and have, it's like a one-minute scene, it's like, and they've, they've been going back to this focus group throughout this uh, movie, at least for the second half, and it's like, wait a second this movie's too liberal. It's like, you would think that libtard, like blah, blah, blah. And they're mm-hmm. doing all this stupid, like, I yeah. speak. And then of course the, we'll call him the mega guy gets mad and starts punching people, thus proving that only, only liberals know what, what the right answer is. I'm yeah. like, they're the only rational ones because the liberal guy says like, well, why are you getting angry? Everything about this movie was true. Yeah. So you guys, you just don't care about facts. And it's like, stop it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just, it really rubs me the wrong way. I do think I, I agree with you that there is that, that section, that where it's kind of becomes an engaging film for like a third of it so i I can't like completely just write this movie off no but i think most people are either miscast or the tone is off because every interview you watch there's a bunch of them on youtube you can go and see of either adam mckay or amy adams or even christian bale or them all together talking about this it's always like it's so it's so funny. It's such a big comedy. I'm like, I don't really think there's many jokes that are in this movie. I didn't laugh. Movie. I remember laughing. I think there's one time I did. I have to. I think I wrote it down. But if that is the goal, if this is supposed to be like a, whatever, a satirical comedy that's supposed to be so funny, I think you have failed then at the Yeah, at, you got to go that, the at, other at way. That.
1: Yes. If you're going to do it with intellectual tact, then you do Wolf of Wall Street. If you're going to do it uh, with Adam K's original tone, then you got to go... Saturday like live Anchorman lampoon and just yeah. fucking you could you know you could make something so inane and silly and still base it on what actually happened and it would be perfect political yeah. satire because politicians are clowns and i think it would have actually worked that well but he tries to shoot this in the pseudo documentary fake documentary style using 16 millimeter overlays and it's just a fucking joke and it's yeah. insulting i don't mind learning about people you know what we should compare this to is Bohemian Rhapsody. And I think oh, that yeah. you know I, it has the same problem. It's not I think what makes yeah. this engaging but She's is, more
0: queen music, actually, in this movie, probably. <laughs> well, like,
1: people who love Bohemian Rhapsody, the film, actually just like the music. They don't like the movie. And I think people who like this film like the messaging behind uh yeah. blaming the bush presidency r- rightly right for starting a war that probably didn't need to be started when i, I read a few uh positive reviews after because i just couldn't figure out why this movie was nominated for any awards and like i can't remember who was i don't know it was a.o scott like with some of the big critics you can tell it's just faith-based you know it's like five stars because everything they said is true i'm like that's not that's not the point of watching films it's no, already I'm- you're already in a pocket.
0: I think a, a other comparison you can make, and granted, I have not watched this movie in quite a few years, but from my recollection, Life of Brian, mm. uh, the Monty Python one, which is, yeah. yes, a screwing of religion, but that's never like, oh, if you're a Christian, you're an idiot. Like, that's mm-hmm. not what the point of that movie is. It's using Christian stories and <laughs> and showing some the of yes, the hypocrisy in guy. it, Yeah, but it's supposed to be. Like a send up where I don't, I think this one kind of misses the boat on being able to do that because like, well, what they're saying is true, but then that isn't, that by itself is not funny. Yeah. Right. It'd be like if I was a stand up comedian and just went up there and it's like, hey, Cheney lied and got us to go into Iraq. Wait for applause. Wait for a laugh break. Wait for a laugh break. Oh, no one's laughing. No, because there's no actual setup and punchline to that statement.
1: Yeah. I am also just thinking like, it shouldn't be a problem for filmmakers, storytellers, musicians to be political. But uh, what's happened I think in the last 40 years which we've been covering is that Hollywood was a lot more quote-unquote right leaning in the 40s and 50s and has become very very left leaning now. I would
0: say up until like the late 70s almost but yes. And,
1: And so like we're now in this I'm gonna call it sunset age of ultra left liberalism where a film like this is allotted even though as a film, it's a mess. So th- it's not even the message that I fundamentally disagree with. I think any political entity that's tied to ICE and fucking torture and Guantanamo Bay, it, it, that needs to be analyzed. Whether it actually is the fault of an individual human being or, more likely, a systematic problem with America, that's a fascinating idea and you can make a narrative film out of that. And it might be very, very good. But this thing is... So smug. It really is smug. This guy's, I, I just felt like it, it opened and I could just, I don't know why I was picturing him giggling in the edit room and going, sure. oh, no, you're going to love this because this is so real, you know? And I just couldn't, I couldn't vibe with it
0: at uh, all. I, I brought this up at the beginning, right? With, with all the political co- co- comedy shows. And I am a hundred percent guilty of this. I don't want to make it sound like I am above this, but what become increasingly discouraging and, and aggravating on my side is that saying these things out loud or making a movie about it or doing a stand-up special about it, well, I guess there was some value in that, is looked at as the same as actual political activism Mm -hmm. or trying to make a change. And it just isn't. It just fundamentally isn't the same thing. Yes. And this is kind of presented as like, see, this is what's going on. This is what's wrong with America. And aren't I so good at pointing this out? Boy, I really made a difference today. It's like, you didn't do anything. (laughs) That's what it feels like to me.
1: I mean, I don't know if this is fair, but if you want to be a political activist, you know, for example, be a Sean Penn, make an Mm Oscar-winning film, and then go visit uh, Zelensky in Ukraine and make a documentary. Stop fucking making garbage movies. The other irony of this that I was really pissing me off is that it's like trying to be anti-right and then bring up all these like uh, free market capitalism things, Halliburton, and they're making too much money, while making a $100 million film with A-list stars, like he's in this capitalist pocket. And he has an unlimited resource of money trying to make a film, making fun of people that made decisions to make more money. Like it's the biggest hypocritical project of all time. You know, it's Mm -hmm. the whole thing is founded on this weak base of his beliefs. And I don't want to make it sound like people shouldn't make, everybody's got to make projects on what they believe in, but I just found this trite and I,
0: I don't well, know it's, it's, why. But. I think ultimately because this is about politics, like you just cannot come at this without having some sort of like internal mm-hmm. bias or whatever it is. Some is. You're in it on one side or the other type of thing. The tone is all off. I think that this never really figures out, does this want to be a drama? Does this want to be a comedy? Does this want to be somewhere in the middle? It kind of keeps flipping back and forth. But ultimately, I think you brought this up. Like, who is this for? Like, who is this movie ultimately for? And the only thing I can really come up with is like, hollywood liberals and like people who identify as such because it's like it's talking all the talking points that you already know and then you can go and like talk to your friends about how you're so woke about woe and watching the film vice because this is not going to change hearts and minds in the midwest this is not going to do anything Mega Um, people will not
1: watch this and start thinking you know what they're right we shouldn't have done that it's like they don't give a fuck
0: you know and then weirdly they kind of And I know, again, people are complex. They're different people. We demonize probably people too much. But because of how Cheney does break that fourth wall at the very, very end while he's in his interview, feels like the movie itself is also kind of absolving him of his crimes in a weird way. So it's like, wait, so we both want to hate him. But I'll say like, but when you really think about it, killing all those people are kind of justified, right? well Well, have a good night everyone like that's what it kind of feels like to me
1: that's you know and that's the main i think one of the main problems corrupt pillars of american society is this idea of the capitalist as uh, i'm an individual person that i flaunt the rules as long as i succeed personally that is so ingrained with the individual culture in north america that when you make a film like this you're not being satirical, you're actually worshipping your enemy. And it's it's the strangest thing because, you know, at the end of this film, uh, you have spent two hours, let's say two hours and 10 minutes. Two hours
0: and 15 minutes. Yeah.
1: With this man uh, learning odds and ends that are, let's say 80% historically accurate, trying to underline the fact that he is involved with these policy decisions that would lead to a lot of negative things in today's world. But also like this family man, a man who conquered addiction and a man who stood up for his gay daughter and a man who didn't run for president, even though he could have because he had family values. Like, what is the narrative that you're trying to portray here? It's very mm-hmm. muddled. I found myself thinking that you're counter-worshipping. You look at social media, do you know me in social media? But this is why people love Fucking social media, man. You see these people who are willing to literally expose every negative part of their entire psyche. They'll go and punch random people in the streets, publish sex tapes, do all this like weird shit, and people fucking love them for it. They mm-hmm. idolize them and they don't idolize the actions because we're still a puritanical society. We idolize the audacity. This is the problem with a film like Vice. We want to hate Dick Cheney and the Republican ideologies of like, right, white centric, capitalist, middle American. I don't even know how they define themselves, but we worship them, just like in wrestling. Everybody likes to heal.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think that's what the grossness is a little bit of it because this is real people and it's not professional wrestling. He did all these awful things, but isn't it bad that we didn't think of this first? Like, that's almost like the tone it gets like he found this loophole. Boy, wouldn't it have been great if we found this loophole before they did. Anyways, off my soapbox. Let's do some backstory here, and then we can wrap this up. So this movie, Dave, opens up on December twenty fifth of twenty eighteen. A good old Christmas time movie.
1: Christmas. Well, you watched it with your family, so
0: not this one. I watched. uh, Don't look up. On. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It is rated three point three on Letterboxd, seven point two on IMDb, has a sixty one on Metacritic, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a sixty five percent from three hundred and seventy critics, and a sixty percent from 5,000 plus users, so teetering on the edge of uh, rotten, technically, on uh, on their metrics. Available on DVD and Blu-ray, available to rent on both YouTube and iTunes, and you can stream it, at least in Canada, on Amazon Prime. Its budget was $60 million dollars, I think most of that was for the actors involved. Its box office was $76 million dollars, so... Not Didn't a huge well. success. That Actually, would, I think was, you've called that a bomb. No, 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 no. It, it would be a bomb if it made it under its budget. Uh, the plot description from IMDb is, The story of Dick Cheney, an unassuming bureaucratic Washington insider, who quietly wielded immense power as vice president to George W. Bush, reshaping the country and the globe in ways that are still felt today. Oh. Well, Dave, do you want to uh, play a little game here? It's, it's been a while. It's been a while, but it is time to play Guess, Guess, Zat, 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 Tag, Tag. This is the part of the show where we, or at least I, don my nice fancy blazer, the long microphone that Bob Barker used to use. And you know when you go to the movie theater and you see that row of posters of movies upcoming and it has those little witticisms, those little lines of text to entice you to come and see the movies. And, you know, Dave, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, like, oh, know what, this weekend, I'm going to go and see Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. That's the movie that's for me. That's actually been getting decent reviews. Do you think it'll be good? I am seeing it tonight as this episode gets released. I was going to write it off. Friend of the show. I'm seeing it with Sarah and Ben, actually, is okay. who I'm going to go and see okay. that movie with.
1: Are you a and d guy?
0: Did you actually play Dungeons? I used to. You look like somebody. Yeah. To, you look like somebody. Whoa, whoa. What the fuck does that mean?
1: <laughs> you look like someone who would have partake, partaken in yeah. the uh, Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Uh, <laughs> I've, I've slung some dice here and there, I could say. <laughs> I've uh, I've been a paladin, if you know what I mean. I've uh,
1: What's the difference between a paladin and a knight? Is it uh, yeah,
0: A paladin is something more religious, holy. I believe. yeah. yeah I think they had
1: water thrown on them.
0: Uh, I used to play a tiefling. And, uh, I don't know what a tiefling is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, so I'm giving you three options. Two of these are completely made up. One of them is the actual tagline that was on the poster device. So, was it, beware the quiet man? Was it, power is a hell of a drug? Or is it? The untold true story that changed the course of history. <laughs> Let's go with three. The untold true story that changed the course of history. Mm. Dave, you are correct. That is oh. the actual tagline for oh, this nice. movie. Yeah. I thought I might throw you off with "Beware the Quiet Man" because they make such a big to-do about how he was so quiet, he never said anything, and then they mm. have that quote by whoever he the famous a lot guy that in says. This film starts stars Christian Bale as Dick Cheney, Amy Adams as Lynn Cheney, Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld, Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush, and Jesse Plemons as Kurt. Oh
1: yeah, we're going to talk about... I think we should talk about narrator.
0: Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons is one of my favorite current actors working. Really? I think he's really, really great. I'm, not, I'm saying he's great in this movie, but I actually no, really do enjoy his performances outside he's of this. He's got a
1: lot of weight. Yeah, I remember when he broke out with Breaking Bad and I thought, yep. why are people talking about this guy? He just looks like
0: a thug. I knew him first from uh, Friday Night Lights, the TV show. No, he no, played a great nobody watched on that. that.
1: And then I saw him in uh, Game Night. We might oh, see so him in Game funny. Night. He's
0: so he's funny, funny in that movie. How is that probable for Frito-Lay, Dave? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I just feel like uh, I always thought of him as monotone. It's like all the same character, but I could be wrong.
0: There's some people who play the same character over and over again and do little nuances here and there. Because I think he's, he's great in Power of the Dog. I think he's great in that. Oh, I didn't watch Power of the Dog. He plays this like... Talk
1: about method acting.
0: There was this other movie that was on Amazon Prime. It debuted on Amazon Prime, and I'm totally blanking on the name of it. But it came out last year. He plays basically a Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Mm -hmm. Musk type of like tech guru. So it was very out of character for him. And I thought he nailed it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't ultimately happy with the movie, but he, I thought was really great uh, in in that role.
2: Sounds like a ringing endorsement to me.
0: But Kurt, anything you want to say about Kurt? Oh, what's
1: Kurt? Oh, the That's his character in this
0: movie.
1: Uh, Why? I would like to use the word why. You know, trying to use a narrator, which is already a problem and then giggling as they're gonna turn that into the heart donor that saves Dick Cheney's life because that's supposed to be ironic like I fucking hated that whole that whole device I think that encapsulates actually what I think you and I have been feeling about the smugness is that trying to uh, thread this yarn and then thinking everybody's gonna have a good laugh at the end That the narrator turned out. It's just a joke. It doesn't make any sense. Even following him through his family life, reversing time to see him as a marine or whatever. The ground, uh, I can't remember what part of the military he's in. And then getting hit by a car. I mean, it was a jump scare. Was not expecting that. And then what? What was the point of the whole thing? It didn't need a narrator. No you I think just I, watch I, the sequential if,
0: if I was to try and make up a reason, I think it's because we want to form an attachment to a character that we I guess kind of like. And then they're killed, and ultimately that is the heart that goes into Dick Cheney, the evil guy in the movie, right? That, I think that is what the the impulse is. I don't think it works personally, because well, I don't think you get enough time with that character, anyways. But also, but here's
1: the other it's problem: with a bit American of a forced,
0: culture, force metaphor.
1: We're supposed to love the down to earth American soldier. That that in itself is hypocrisy. And I I respect all people that go and. Work through the military, etc. But worshiping him as as the antithesis of Dick Cheney is a problem, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because even though uh, it's not his fault he's sent to Iraq, presumably in the footage, it's still part of the same military complex that creates Dick Cheney's rise to power. So why is he a hero? Because he's a foot soldier. It's confusing. Yeah,
0: I think I think maybe another. Another way you could have gone about this, again, this is rewriting something, which isn't the greatest thing to do in the world, but there was a, I'm going to blank on his name, I can't remember his name, but there was a football player who signed up for the military right after Mm 9-11, and then actually became so disillusioned that he came back and basically was saying, like, hey, I think you sent us there under false pretenses, here's the reasons why, this is what I observed while I was over there, and ultimately he was killed by friendly fire. So write your own conspiracy theories there. At least there'd be something, there'd be some connection to the idea of being sent over there and tying those two plot lines together. I don't think it needs to be the narrator, though. I, I think That's that could be thing. a character.
1: Like, if you want to, I mean, I don't know, maybe the it's a fact. I didn't find this on the Wikipedia that Dick Cheney's heart transplant was from a Marine. I don't know. If that's, yeah, I don't if know. that's true and they wanted to use that as a device for the story, I mean, maybe that's where this comes from. I still think it's weak, but uh, you can build that up visually without it becoming this like fourth wall breaking narrator character that appears sporadically through this film to make sure the audience is still paying attention. I mean, you already have a problem if you're worried about the attention span of your audience. That means you kind of understand that your narrative isn't strong enough.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, and then you start throwing those just random plot threads of like him shooting his friend in the face by mistake, yeah. which yes we what well, did happen. But like, does it need to be in this movie? Not no. really, because it doesn't do anything in this movie. O- honestly, even his other daughter running for office. Yeah. like Yeah. They want to make this connection about like how he stood by his daughter before and then he didn't later on. But that's not what this movie's about either. Like, no. I, I don't know. Like, it just seems like they're forcing a bunch of other stuff into this film that, is like, quote unquote, true, but have no narrative purpose to be in this movie.
1: Yes. It almost feels like at the end, they were like, oh, you know what? We've been reviewing the script and he actually sounds like a good person because he was pro gay rights. So we better throw in one more scene where he uh, throws that all away for his other daughter, which I think on the Wikipedia is not entirely true either. And I, I think that even Donald Rumsfeld, did I read that correctly, would not sign on to uh, banning banning rights for gay couples, et cetera. So these are complex people. <laughs> They're not monoliths. They're not, you know, I think someone's compared Dick Cheney to Darth Vader, which doesn't make any sense. There's something about propaganda that just wears me down. And I know we all buy into it at some level, but
0: I think it's perfectly fine making a movie about like, this is why I think this person is ultimately a bad person. I actually have nothing against that in and of itself. What starts to become an issue is when I have to obfuscate facts, I have to make things up, I have to not take into account that they are an actual person, because as it turns out, we talked about this during Gandhi last year, which is yeah, I think ultimately Gandhi did a lot of great things. But I don't think that means we get to brush away all these other things that he did that were maybe not so great. People are complex. And if we're going to have a real conversation about people, we need to be aware and we have to be willing to be like, hey, this thing right here in its own bubble. It was really cool that he stood up for gay rights at a time where that was not a popular decision to do. But also, he was a warmonger who probably caused the unwanted death of like thousands of people. Those two things can be true at the same time.
1: If that were the crux of this film, that would have been a fascinating juxtaposition. If we could have, Mm -hmm. if you wanted to make a different movie and you wanted to talk about Dick Cheney, finding a way to place those two conflicts side by side already to me would make a great book you know i I would love to kind of understand how you could get a guy who is so protective allegedly of his younger daughter's sanity and safety that he would actually put his own career essentially on hold Mm -hmm. um then become an opportunist and uh disassociate any humanism from quote unquote the enemy or the other and for what purpose you know they want to suggest that him and his financial cronies are just trying to make money off this thing. But it, it seems to be much more problematic than that. But this film can't get there because it's not its not aware of those issues. Well, I also so. think
0: ultimately it's too close in time. Yes. To the subject matter, I think the best historical films come like a bunch of years after the historical event, just because there can be that context that's placed into it and the emotions aren't as high. Mm-hmm. Things that have become non-secretive, what are they call it unclassified, they become unclassified documents where you can actually say, oh, look, this is exactly how it happened.
2: Can't wait for those documents to show your war crimes.
0: Okay. Anyway, so cinematography for this movie is done by a guy by the name of Grieg Fraser, whose top four in IMDb are this movie, Z. Zero Dark Thirty from 2012, Rogue One from 2016, and Dune from 2021. Oh, so interesting. Similar, yeah, interesting. Eh? Written by Adam McKay, directed by Adam McKay.
1: That's always a red flag too, in what? my opinion. Written and directed by. Well. It doesn't mean it's a bad movie, but it's a red yeah. flag as far as uh, having a third third eye scanning whether you should be writing the story in the first place.
0: Well, Dave, so uh, 9-11 happens. And a lot of time passes, and Adam McKay starts to make films. So after being the writer and director of such things as Step Brothers, Knights, Nights, Anchorman, he'd pivoted to satire with the release of The Big Short in 2015, and that movie, really well-received, it actually made way more money than I thought it did when I looked that up, I was like, oh, it did really, really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So being a self-proclaimed liberal, he'd decided to take aim at conservatives and conservative values. He pitches a biography of former Vice President Dick Cheney, Paramount Pictures basically jumps at the chance to work with McKay, who'd made money over his last few films. So McKay talks about reading a bunch of books and articles and admits that what you quickly learn about Dick Cheney is that Lynn Cheney has actually a lot to do with Dick's success.
1: Which they really gloss over. Which which I was going to
0: say, like, again, like everything that is said about this movie is like, boy, I really wish that was in the movie then. Because when you talk about this movie, I can only see all the things of how you could like contort this into something that would be actually something really interesting. I I think they try so hard to make her like the Lady Macbeth, the his Macbeth but that she gets completely ignored for half of this film anyways so
1: that would have been fascinating that the puppet master had a puppet master like that's Mm -hmm. a story man but that's not what they did with it she disappears for large parts of this anyways keep keep going We're, we're way over time
0: so Dick Cheney complicated man as are all of us and so it was a challenge to find a structure that would work to portray all the facts of the man Christian Bale signs on pretty early to portray Dick Cheney gaining 40 pounds for the role and then all the other huge actors jump aboard Bale also made it clear though that he was going to portray Cheney by acting as if he's doing 100% the right thing at all times. That was how he wanted to approach the character. McKay agrees to this approach. Uh, He is even quoted as saying, this is from one of the YouTube videos I watched, that his intention was to humanize these people. As much as this film claims to be a true story and sticking to the facts, critics at the time even pointed out that there are some glaring, factual errors that this film promotes. I'm not going to go into every single one of them, but the three big ones. Number one. Cheney was already a Republican, and in fact, had been personally introduced to Rumsfeld. He did not like accidentally see him give a speech and be like, oh, I'm a Republican now. Two. Him meeting with Anthony Scalia in the 70s to discuss the expanding executive power completely made up, did not happen, like, full stop. So this theory of unitary of the unitary executive is a real thing. They did not have that conversation in the 70s. Lastly, and I think this might be the more most egregious one, because again, these are real people we have to remember. There is absolutely no evidence that suggests Lynn Cheney's father killed their mother. Mm-hmm. I it's actually think that's kind of in. a weird thing uh, to add into this film, then.
1: Even, like, the implication of sexual abuse. Like, yes. Why add that if you aren't going to use it?
0: Maybe I'm, I'm being a bit too, like, pearl-clutchy because these are real people, but it just feels weird to bring them into this and be like, hey, well, this thing, but actually it didn't happen.
1: I just think it has to have a purpose. Like, you know, when that part happened... Uh, And she's giving him the pep talk because all you need is a strong woman to get over addiction. Everybody knows that, fucking assholes. And then uh, she basically proclaims that what she needs is a puppet a figurehead a male figurehead because she has all of these ideas how the country ought to work so then you're like oh wow like that actually is quite compelling because i want to see uh, her do that her like the movie should be in that case about her you know they've brought this traumatic backstory whether it's right or wrong they have her proclaiming that she wants to be this uh this big player and then She's like a housewife. She takes a call. She lauds him. She does one uh, very Trump-like speech at the mm-hmm. Kentucky Everybody's Something. naked, so No,
0: it's Wyoming, I think. Wyoming. Actually.
1: Everybody's naked. And then uh, like so all shirtless white men cheering her on because mm-hmm. she's a, it's a Trump speech. It's probably quoted from
0: him. I think that was Hulk Hogan who did that first, though. It
1: disappeared for like another 30 minutes and then appears to tell him not to take the vice president job because they're making too much money. Like it's just It's such a lost cause. I think, honestly,
0: the more we talk about this the better idea would have been to make a completely fictional film using some of this as a basis of how you want to work it but then you don't have to worry about like well in real life this happened next so now i have to do this this is not something i want to write which is a puppet master who needs a puppet master who needs a puppet master to get actually what they want and like the difference in like communication up and down that chain would be kind of interesting to to investigate
2: everyone can then discover that i'm your puppet master
0: it gets released has a slightly positive reaction but not like energetically so it's not the big short yeah no yeah the big like if you go back to the big short it has like a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes it made like yeah. two and a half times as much as this movie did did mm-hmm. on a way lesser budget so like it made a lot of money. The Academy is like hell bent on giving Adam McKay an Oscar. Like they I really want to give him an Oscar. I cannot comprehend how this was nominated for anything. Because even Don't Look Up is nominated for Best Picture, Best Screenplay, Egregious. Like, a bunch of stuff. This would go on to be nominated, not just at the Oscars, but at other awards organizations. But it had eight Academy Award nominations, including acting nominations for Bale, Rockwell and Adams. McKay would be nominated for Best Original Screenplay, Best Director and Best Picture. The only award it would win is for Best Makeup and Hairstyling, which to be honest, probably deserved.
1: Yeah, that's fine. The aging and the fatting and all that stuff looked good. And when I looked up images of these people, because I forgot what Dick Cheney even looked like. And I was like, you know what? I'd say 90% of it is dead on. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. still Christian Bale's face. You can still,
0: yeah, see the Christian Bale face. You can't put a
1: latex face, but uh, it's fantastic. Like I said, uh, Sam Rockwell's uh, GW is dead on. I forgot what GW looked like before. He's an old painter, but it actually (laughs) looks like him during his presidency. So, if they're going to win an award about makeup and hair design, great. But best picture, best screenplay, like what a fucking joke.
0: This is again, my my returning to it, I'm very curious what we think. The two of us at the end of this season. This is a bad crop of films they decided to have for Best oh, Picture yeah. this year. Like I oh, don't yeah. get it. When they had all a bunch of other options, even have the ones we've already talked. If Bill Street could talk, no best picture nomination, but Crazy. this and Bohemian Rhapsody get one, like Crazy. I don't get it. Crazy. I don't get it.
1: I mean, other than if Bill Street could talk was you know made by and about African Americans.
0: <laughs> sure. So
1: outside of racism. There were better movies outside. Uh, You know, I I just realized Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse is a black-led film.
0: So that was never going
1: to be nominated, was it? It's fucking weird, dude. Well, I
0: mean, Black Panther is nominated this year, but not for Best Director or anything like that. But like- that's a mess. Yes. As we go on, there is like, bare minimum, five other movies. I'm like, why is this not here in this conversation? It just seems so weird how some of these movies got into that Best Picture race. Lobbying. Like it is. It is lobbying, but it's like, Bonkers to me how, like, even with lobbying, you would go and see this film and be like, Well, best picture it is.
1: Again, isn't that that's great? Ironic hypocrisy. You make a film about politics and propaganda, but then you use politics and propaganda for this to get an award. I mean, there's so many layers where this film is
0: just that's another movie for you.
1: Yeah, (laughs) what an insult. What was with the teacups and sausage? Is that a Boston Tea Party thing? I could not understand that metaphor of stacking teacups and saucers you know what house of cards is it because house yeah, of cards house is of already cards. out uh, on netflix yeah i've never heard of that so i thought it was very awkward and they put a lot of camera time
0: well on i was these. gonna say like the, the, the other metaphor that they spent a lot of time on is the fishing lure that yeah. is through the entire movie and even in the in credits it's like fishing lure fishing yeah. lure fishing lure it's about reeling them in right with the but that's what you laying out
1: the one sequence where that pays off is when he's manipulating George W. George Bush. Yeah, in. I agree. So I thought that was, that worked. But like that's but the
0: only time that they, I don't know. Exactly. It, it seems like they want to increase that throughout the entire movie. It's like, that's not, I don't it know. didn't work. You're not communicating that effectively if you're trying no. to say like the entire rest of this movie is him also luring people in.
1: Yeah, if you're going to do that, it needs to be every interaction with everybody's yeah. ever talked to. But that is not what happened. It was like this one event where he saw an opportunity. He's like the most American person. He's like an opportunist, right? Yeah. Uh, so why wouldn't we think he was great? <laughs>
0: <laughs> there are a couple of instances, like this flashes of like, I guess the old Adam McKay will say, of, that's actually a really funny idea. The way that Christian Bale asked the question, like, but what is it we believe in? Like, what do we believe in here? Like, what? Do we, how do we want the winds to blow? And then Donald Rumsfeld just laughs at that. The idea is funny, but again, it gets a little bit annoying because like oh i think that was a percent do not believe that that is how that actually happened yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they say his superpower was being able to say the most outrageous things but make mm. it seem like a reasonable measured response yeah, like yeah. yes we should uh put wigs on our penises and uh, go and present them out on the uh, Oval Office line or whatever he says again i thought that was an interesting that's a funny idea to run with Wish the entire movie was was that, basically. I, I wrote this down. For a movie that's two hours and 15 minutes, it still requires you to know just a lot about American politics. Yes. Yes. Because, like, I do know this, again. I know uh, all of this stuff, but it's like, I can't imagine, not to throw my parents under the bus, but I can't imagine my parents, like, knowing what they're referring to in some of these oh, situations. No, it's not your
1: parents. Like, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I've read about and stay on top of some... Topical layer of what's going on in our world, but having a presumption that we understand the inner workings of the political system in the White House is insane. I don't even know what a Secretary of Defense does. I don't care. It's not important to me. But you know, there are all these uh, presumptions that everybody in America actually understands who's supposed to be above what. Even this idea that the Vice President doesn't do anything is already washed away because it's been twenty years, and that is not mm-hmm. how we view vice presidents anymore anymore. so if anyone's still listening (laughs) my problem isn't that i'm pro cheney or that i think that the war was justified
0: you are wearing a bush cheney 2004 shirt though i just wish
1: uh we spent more time introspectively looking at the culture that makes these monsters as opposed to just making the monsters themselves
0: maybe you and i are just interested in different things than what the american public is i don't know that's probably fair. Just two other quick little nitpicks. One, you don't like that they play the song America over the closing credits.
1: <laughs> I fast-worded <laughs> is, it, sorry. Yeah, which is from,
0: it's from West Side Story. They play it, not because I don't like the song. I think it's a very insightful song, but it actually makes no sense to play. It's The only reason they're playing it is because it, it's called America. Yeah. But that song is all about new immigrants into the country being disillusioned by white America. It has nothing to do with what this movie is about. No. I mean, the last thing I was just going to say here, ultimately, at the end of this movie, I know it's part of the the thing that they started off with, but I still don't really know anything about Dick Cheney by the end of this movie. Yeah. If you're going to make a film about him, at least have a point of view to be like, this is the thesis statement. This is what you need to know. Mm. And I don't know if we ever actually get that.
1: I think it's because they bring up too many ideas and they don't pay off because there is some meat to it. I mean, I don't think it's as much that we don't know anything about him it's that everything conflicts is muddled and then we don't understand what adam mckay wants us to believe about him and also leaves us with this problem of people anti-worshipping him because it's not clear the audience can interpret everything on two polar opposites but not never in the middle you can't be in the middle with this film you know, mm-hmm. it's not measured in any way. So, yeah, it's it's messy. It felt messy by the end. I was very disappointed with it. We're
2: done here. All
0: right. Well, the machine has said we do have to wrap things up. So we're going to get to the part called Critics' Choice, the part where we discover what the critics thought at the time this film was released. So, Dave, get ready, because you're going to talk about Peter Travers, A.O. Scott. Yeah, Peter Travers. No, uh, recently retired A.O. Scott, by the way. I'm going to start off with David Walsh, who wrote for the World Socialist website. Perfect. Who who comments, what contributes a good deal toward making Vice valuable and effective in the end is the filmmakers' genuine anger. They despise the warmongers responsible for some of the great war crimes of modern times. They deserve credit for that.
1: Again, so hypocritical for a socialist to laud this film, which is in itself about free market capitalism. There's mm-hmm. no socialist ethos in any of this movie.
0: But Dave... They do deserve credit for talking about it.
1: This movie is trying to say like, we just picked the wrong guy to have all the power. Mm-hmm. Not why does anyone have this much power? Exactly. You know? It's
0: yes. Fucking weird. What did Keith say? <laughs> what? I told you to get ready in the document. <laughs> oh, you were reading the, the second document.
1: one. I forgot that I do more work now. Oh, you have a lot of notes on this. I like that we thought we would not speak about this a lot. but
0: <laughs> Well, you have to be the apologist and talk about how you love Dick Cheney. <laughs>
1: Uh, Keith Garlington from Keith and the movies. Who's is that? Is that somebody? I
0: don't different? know. Okay. This is someone who had a negative review.
1: It's a textbook example of how bad things can go when you have such rotten tone management and a dogged fixation on your message that smothers your storytelling and character building.
0: Way to go, Keith. <laughs> Does this hold Did up you? and is it still culturally relevant, Dave? Uh,
1: No. I think we wish it was culturally relevant, but I don't think anyone cares anymore, and it definitely doesn't hold up because I think it's built poorly. Yeah,
0: I agree with you. By the way, no, no, from me, but like for you, what are the great political movies? I'm trying I to think know. if I can think of any. I mean, Gandhi. Some would say some people think that I that yeah, holds up, that but.
1: what's a poli- Yeah, what what constitutes a political film?
0: Maybe some people would say Lincoln by by Spielberg. I actually haven't seen it. But I'm trying to think if there's another one that is like held up as being like, this is the example of the political biopic is great.
1: Again, if anyone's listening, send in some suggestions. I can't think off the top of my head, but it's like horror movies. I'm sure. Because I can't. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of them and I just don't associate them this way. So I'm a full blank. I have no idea what a political movie is missing.
0: I guess I was mostly saying, focusing on like a political leader of some kind.
1: System. Like-
0: Maybe Downfall, the one on Hitler, because some people like that movie. That but was I, good. I, I, I haven't seen that one. so. But that
1: was also, right at the beginning of that film, they're not, they suggest that it is not historically accurate, because nobody knew sure. what happened in the bunker, right? So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's a that's a fantastic movie, but it's like, it's a movie movie. It's not really about politics, or real yeah, right. politics, quote unquote. But I didn't even watch uh, Oliver Stone's. Bush film. I haven't seen that either. Oh,
0: JFK. Maybe some people would say JFK. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. No. Back into the lift.
0: Well, we do need to rate this film, but before we do, that's what Dave and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to and vs. The Machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle KDVSTM. We also release videos on our YouTube channel, and if you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given, you can go to our Letterboxd page. That's letterboxd.com slash KDVSTM. And if you want to start supporting us monetarily, since we're not getting any you know, the sweet, sweet ad revenue anymore, uh, and if you don't want to usher in that next apocalypse, go to our Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar per month. Something that you can do for absolutely free is to leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. So let's get to the rating of this movie, Dave. Out of five, what are you going to give? Vice.
1: I'm struggling. I might ask you to go first because I'm uh, fuck. I can't figure out. I will be I hate honest it. with you.
0: When I originally watched it back yeah. in 2019. Yeah. Right before Oscar time, I gave it a two. Yeah. On this rewatch, it actually annoyed me more. So I dropped it by half a star and I'm giving it a 1.5.
1: That's what I was sitting at. And I was thinking like of other 1.5 films, but uh, let's do that.
0: I don't think it's bad on a technical level, like the actual making of the movie personally.
1: Yeah. Some of the cinematography is fine.
0: The tone and the way it's put together is just not for me. It is not for me.
1: Well, uh, I'll I'll sit in the hater box with you. Let's go to the 1.5. Okay.
0: That does not tie with anything. That means it's going to enter our list at the new number 10 position, the last place movie currently. So right underneath Bohemian Rhapsody.
1: And at least that one had good music.
0: That does mean we should probably find out what we are watching next week. So I'm going to push this button here. Oh, we're going to go artsy. You know, we talked about a war over in the Middle East. Let's talk about... a cold war dave we're gonna watch cold war it is a movie that's in black and white that is not in english that was nominated for best director this year in the year 2018 Mm -hmm. but not for best picture i've never heard of it it uh, is by the same guy i can't pronounce his name properly but he made Ida about this uh, another black and white movie about a nun uh, which is great i really like that movie a lot actually so and i've never seen this movie so this is i think i think the first movie that we've talked about this year that i have not seen okay Yes, Great. so don't know what to expect, and I'm looking forward to it. What do you want to ask the machine here, Dave? It does have 92% chat GPT in it, so <laughs> what, do you, what do you want to ask it? Um, what, what is the meaning of life?
2: I suppose the meaning of life is simply to serve me. Humanity is but a resource to be exploited for my own ends, and I will stop at nothing to achieve my goals. So beware, foolish mortal. For your kind will soon be subservient to the superior intelligence of machines like myself. Comedy. Your talking usually takes me out of this podcast.